Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Elijah is the last man standing. And in the first week we saw that Elijah was a man who heard God's word yep. and he followed his instructions. But more importantly, Elijah was a man who was the last one standing to testify about who God was. How great is his God? And when he testified, the power of God, the fire of God fell. Mm-hmm. And the challenge for us was, are we prepared to be the last man standing or the last woman standing mm-hmm. and testify and tell somebody about the power of Jesus? Mm-hmm. The second thought uh, that we had last week was Elijah was the last man standing with regard to prayer. He was, yes. And we need to be people that will pray. Mm-hmm. And there was two aspects to that. Firstly, we need to clear out all distractions. Mm-hmm. So often when we pray, we allow media, we allow um, technology, we allow things to distract us from our prayer. Get, put your head between your knees, and that symbolically means get rid of those dis- distractions. Mm-hmm. And then also, you need to be meditating on the Word of God so you can hear the sound the of it. sound was important. So he's a word man yes. until he heard the sound inside his spirit. And then he went and he prayed, and he became the last man standing praying until the Word and the sound mm. became a reality. It That's rained, right. didn't it? It, it did. So here's a credible message. Man, man of God, we know. And the story continues. It does. The saga continues. <laughs> episodes carry on, don't they? Yeah, so there's great victory. Mm. Prophets of Baal have been killed. There's, right. there's rain. Um, but then he's in front of uh, the situation where now a servant comes to him. And this servant, Wayne, is sent from Jezebel herself. Don't know about her. mm. And she says, she sends this message to him and says, you know what, I'm going to kill you, just like you've killed those prophets of Baal. And I want us to go and read this verse, Wayne, what Mm. his reaction to this servant's message. And we'll pick that up in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Or maybe go back to verse 2. It says, And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life and went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. What? This is quite a graphic little picture there. When he saw it. When he saw. He was actually what visualizing. What did he see? Well, he was visualizing himself being slaughtered and killed. So he only had a message. He just had a message, but he can see it. He saw it, he visualized it, and he went off running. He bolted, and he even left his servant behind. That's right. This is quite something for us to learn from, isn't it, Wayne? We get a message, Mm. we hear something. We hear, oh, my company's not doing so well. Mm. I might get retrenched. Do you suddenly see yourself retrenched and begging and having no money? So when you see yourself in that situation and you start to personalize it, then we notice now depression starts to set in, Mm. fear starts to set in, and he runs. Now all of a sudden he's making illogical, nowhere did God tell him to go. No. Nowhere. So he just, I've got to get out of here. And he actually left his servant, someone to talk to, he actually left behind and he just runs. So we're going to be very careful Mm. that when we get a negative report, when we watch the media or the TV news, and so instead of 
seeing ourselves in that and seeing ourselves dying, seeing ourselves with a pandemic and being infected, seeing ourselves. No, we need to focus on him. He was a man who who was had a reputation of listening yeah. to the word. Four times we read, he heard the word, he acted on the word. Now mm. suddenly a new voice comes of threat and he's now reacting to the threat instead of listening for the voice. And, you know, we can be affected that way yeah, too. Yeah. We get a diagnosis yeah. from a doctor and suddenly we find ourselves, we're not listening to the word anymore. We're not hearing the word. We're suddenly reacting to to the message that's come through maybe the so doctor. reaction versus listening. And then we take it one step further. We now see it. Yeah. We see ourselves perhaps in a coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We leave our servant behind. We leave our people that are our support behind as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he gets his negative report. He overreacts. Mm-hmm. He gets depressed, gets into fear. He, he starts to run and he leaves and he goes and he sits under a, a broom tree or a juniper tree is one translation mm-hmm. would say. And he's sitting there moping, sulking, having a pity party. <laughs> Come on. I've been there. You know, and I'm having a bad day and you just go, mm, and, and everything is bad. And, but, and he just wants to die, he, he says. But he has something interesting uh, that I noticed from this. He had just come off the back of a mighty victory. Mm. And so often mm. we could actually have a, a victory in our life. Someone's just got saved in our family or you've been praying for something and it suddenly happened. You've got yeah. the job and now you become vulnerable and we must be aware of the devil's schemes. Mm. Sometimes when you're on that height and you get the negative report, it caught, catches you off guard. Yeah. And all of a sudden, before you know it, your head is going crazy. You're visualizing the wrong thing. Depression and fear sets in. Mm. And now all of a sudden you, you're running. You're on the run. But mm. here's the good news, Claire. Listen to this. The angel comes and ministers to him. Mm. Even though sometimes we run, even though sometimes we, we're depressed and we're in fear and we've messed up, and even though there's still provision mm. from the Lord. There is there's that grace and provision and sustenance. Twice those angels fed him to get him going for the next That's 40 right. days. Yeah. It's hard. He was sitting there saying, I want to die. Mm. And he also had listened to a, only a half-truth, hadn't he? He said, right. I'm the only one left. Yeah, it's not true. Let's go and have a look, shall we, mm. at 1 Kings 19 and what mm. happens next. 1 Kings 19, 9, 12, and 13. And there Elijah went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets by the sword. I am alone. I am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by a great strong wind, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? Wow. There is God saying, what are you doing here? Mm. And, and But entwined in that, he's just shown, God's shown himself as a small, still voice, not in the, the big noise and the fire and the, the cups of thunder and things. You know, when we're in that hard place, so often we want people to stroke us. Mm. And, oh, shame, poor you. It must be terrible living in fear and depression and, and uh, being all uptight and anxious. And here we see the Lord, he doesn't rebuke Elijah no. harshly. He says, I'm a still small voice. But he still mm. asks a very probing question. What are you doing here? Mm. What are you doing in this yeah. pity party? Twice he asks him, he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And, and I think it's because he's, he said all the time to Elijah, he gave him words. He said the word of the Lord came to him and he acted on it. Yeah. There was no word for Elijah to go off running, to go and hide under a broom tree, to go even to the cave. There was no word from God to do that. So God is now saying to him, what are you doing here? But he wasn't harsh no. in the way he spoke to Elijah. He came in the still small voice. He didn't come booming and judgmental, but he didn't address all his loneliness no. or his threat or his feeling like I need to hide and run. I'm going to die. He challenged him in another way. He took the focus off all his problems mm. and he put his focus somewhere else. And that's what we want to focus on today. We do. Here, Elijah He's having his pity party, mm -hmm. and God says, what are you doing here? And did you notice his human response? In fact, James says, we are just like oh, Elijah. Yes. You know, we are just like a man like and he was. And nature like his. And nature like his. We get yes. the same. And when God challenges us and says, what are you doing in that anxious state? Mm -hmm. What are you doing in that fearful state and that depressed state? What are you doing in there? Mm -hmm. Our first reaction is to make an excuse and say, oh, no one loves me. This church doesn't love me. My small group, they don't love me. The, the pastors do this. And, 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 and it's all based on little half-truths. And the Word of God actually shows, you will see it a little later, he, he wasn't the only one still standing. No, he wasn't. There were 7,000 others still. Yes. Uh, so, and there was all those 100 uh, prophets that uh, Obadiah had been hiding in the, the caves. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the only one. No, it's a half-truth. And so often we, will, we perceive things negatively, but God still... What are you doing here? Hmm. And so, yes, the, it's like a corrective thing, but God comes up now, Claire, with the solution. And I think we need to pay careful attention to this. You see, so often we can think that uh, when we're stressed out, when we're anxious, or when we're fearful, we must use, listen to the word of God here and how God gives the solution to Elijah. In this case here, he says to him, go back mm -hmm. through the wilderness to Damascus, okay, and God gives Elijah, first will be the word, but he gives him an assignment. Mm -hmm. And that's the word we want to come through today. Last man standing in our assignment. Yes. We need to get focused on what God has told us to do. Here's the secret, the key. The best way of getting out of a depressed, fearful, anxious state is to get busy serving God with your assignment. Mm -hmm. The more assignment-minded we are, the less chance there is of us getting distracted and getting into fear. Mm. Claire, did Elijah have opportunity to fear and get depressed when God first told him to go and see Ahab and tell him it's not going to rain? Oh, definitely. Why didn't he run? 
No, he came in front of the king. He was confident. He had plenty of place to fear and run when he had to stand in front of 450 prophets doing the sacrifice. Imagine the fear, because he had no evidence yet. God had not said he's going to answer by fire. And they all came out to watch him, Jezebel included. (laughs) So there was the perfect example to get into anxiety, depression Mm -hmm. and fear, but he was assignment-minded. But now that he's not a Simon minded anymore, he's allowed himself to get into this negative state. Which amplified his fears. That's right. Just grew and grew inside his mind and, and to the point of actually wanting to die. Yeah. Now God's saying, no, Come no, on. Elijah. Simon minded <laughs> I need you to go back yeah. the way you came. Listen to these words. 1 Kings 19, verse 15 through to 18. Then the Lord told Elijah, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nemeshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Zarephath, from the town of Abel Menorah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. God gives Elijah an assignment. Mm -hmm. Three things to do. Okay. And that's going to help him now refocus him. You know, interesting. It says go back through the wilderness to Damascus. Damascus. Mm. That reminds me. Definitely Who reminds else me. <laughs> was on a road to Damascus? And knocked off his horse. And got blinded. His name mm. was Saul. He was. Later became Paul the Apostle. His name was changed. But Saul. Saul has an encounter with God. Mm. Okay. And he goes back to Damascus. He goes and meets up with and an eyes gets prayed for. His eyes open. He's three days in that place blind. Playing, yeah. And an eyes Praise for him. His eyes open. And he gets filled with the Spirit and baptized. And amazing, in Acts 9.20 it says, immediately he went to preach. Immediately. Now, do you think that Saul, now Paul, would have been under some threat? I don't think he was loved by the Christians at the time and certainly not by the Pharisees because now he's defected. They wanted him dead. If you read a couple of verses later, I think it's verse 25, it actually says that the disciples there actually got Saul to escape and load him down out of the gate wall because Mm. the Pharisees were at the gate wanting to kill him. He's a flipper. He's a guy who's changed sides. He's going to do them great damage. So he's got a death wish. If anyone could actually get depressed and fearful. It was Saul or Paul. Um, but God what did he do? gave him an assignment. Yes. The grace of God shows up and says, I want you to go and preach the gospel. And so now Paul gets assignment minded. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives him through. So Elijah's last man standing, doing that's his right. assignment, goes off and does his assignment. Paul is so fixed on doing his assignment when mm-hmm. he'll even do it in jail. Well, we saw that in Timothy in our last series that we're doing in January. Paul is in jail. He's about to be executed. Most probably the last letter that he wrote, a couple of words that he's uttering. And his spiritual son, Timothy, contacts him and says, spiritual dad, listen, I'm in trouble here. The church is shrinking. There's persecution. People are being killed, arrested, thrown in jail, fed to the lions. People are abandoning their faith. It is dire. Mm. And Paul now encourages Timothy, his son. Now, here is somebody who's got fear, anxiety, most probably a little hint of depression in there. Timothy's in a state. And what does Paul say 
to Timothy. In fact, we can read this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. Listen to these words. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. There's the assignment. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of seasons. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and all, with all long suffering and teaching. Wow. Claire, when you're in a bad place, when we're feeling the pressure, when the anxiety, depression, get assignment minded. Mm. The word of God's going to say for us to get up, be the last man standing. And you know what you say? Do you know what? I got fear. Well, do it scared. Oh, I'm depressed. Well, do it depressed then. No. Get, stop allowing those things to get on top of us. And get, we use it as an excuse. I'd, Paul talks so much in Philippians about rejoicing. How did he rejoice? But he was rejoicing because he was getting on with his assignment. Depression didn't get to him. Fear didn't get to him. And God gives us a grace and the Holy Spirit Mm. to continue with our assignment. He graced Elijah to carry on and to complete his assignment. Paul, Elijah, you know that they were in fear of death. Mm. But, you know, Elijah never actually died. <laughs> no, he didn't. So his fears were unfounded. Unfounded. So many of the, our fears and anxieties that we have are unfounded. He went off in a chariot of fire mm. taken up by a whirlwind. Yes. He never died. That's right. Never, never died. So his fears mm-hmm. were unfounded. How many of ours are unfounded and what's driving us to feel down and depressed? Um, it's, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Claire, we're talking about assignment, right? Mm. And being the last man standing with an assignment. There were two guys, uh, two psychologists, uh, one Joseph Luft and the other one Harry Ingram. And in 1955, associated with the University of California, they came up with the Johari, uh, we call it, or Johari, uh, <laughs> because they, what they took his first name of uh, Joseph and Harry and Johari uh, model. And they came up with this business model mm. um, that is really very interesting. And I want to share it with us today, just little concepts of this model uh, that we have. These windows, there are four windows, and there's a picture on the screen, you can see it. Let's look at the first one. The first window that these guys, these psychologists came up with was the open arena or the open area. And they're talking about uh, as people working as a team, trying to accomplish something, trying to accomplish the assignment and mm-hmm. grow their skill sets. And when we look at each other, we all have skills, personality traits, things that are open. I know about you. You know about me. We know what you're capable of. You know what I'm capable of. There's no secrets between us and it's that open window that we have Mm -hmm. but all of us have actually got a second window which is the hidden arena Mm -hmm. and that represents some of our talents some of our skill sets that we haven't told anyone about Mm -hmm. now for whatever reason doesn't matter but you haven't shared with the world that maybe you're a great musician Mm -hmm. or maybe you haven't told everyone in your small group that you actually love poetry and you can write poems or maybe you can do something else and you have or maybe that you People think that you're a quiet, reserved per- person, but actually you're the most yeah. bubbly, outgoing person. And it's kind of this like you, you've limited their access through that window. They don't know all of you. But then there's the third window. 
And this is what we call the blind spot window. Mm -hmm. And all of us have this, where there's some things that others can see in us and we can't recognize or not yet. We're not able to recognize these blind spots. Mm -hmm. So, Claire, you and I have been married for 30 years now. (laughs) And I'm sure that you've got some insight into me and I've got these blind spots. And you can actually say, oh, there he goes again. And I'll deny Mm -hmm. it. I'm telling you now, I'm I'm not addicted to Greg sausage rolls, but you can see something in me that I can't see. And this is a blind spot, and we need other people to be able to show us that. Mm. And then the last square and the last window that we have is the unknown window. And that's where nobody knows. You don't know yet what you're capable of. Your teammates and your fellow connect group leaders and uh, people in the church don't know what you're capable of yet. Only God Almighty and the Holy Spirit know that. Mm. But here's the thing about how this model works. It's very interesting, this. The whole model is based on a trust relationship. So let's take the first scenario where I have been very secretive, not not badly in a bad way. I just haven't, I just don't know Claire yet enough to share all of my heart. Maybe you in a connect Mm. group. And uh, uh, you just haven't had the opportunity yet to share with everybody in your connect group more about yourself. Mm. Maybe you haven't shared with all them your skill sets and your abilities, your, that mm. lovely singing voice that you're hiding so well. And, but it's based on a trust relationship. The more you begin to trust that person, the more you will open up and share about yourself. And they'll say, oh, I never knew that. Yeah. And sometimes we will share a secret or something with someone based upon trust. And when we do that, now they can see into our lives through that window. But if there's a sense that Claire is going to go talking about it and put it on social media and WhatsApp and say, did you know what you can do? Then she breaks the trust relationship and I'm going to clam up and say, that's the last time I trust you with that information. So it's all based upon trust. Now, similarly, when I have a blind spot, if Claire comes to me and says, I just want to tell you, <laughs> I will, immediately yeah. I claim up and say, no, but when it's based on trust, mm-hmm. that I know that she's got my good in heart. She's not trying to hurt me. She's not trying to get at me. She's not trying to break me down. In fact, she wants to build me up. Mm-hmm. Based upon a trust relationship, I'll be far more open and willing to hear what she has to say and possibly learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens with Elijah. Here, God can see his blind spots. He can. And one of the things he did in his human relationship is he ran from his servant, Wayne. Perhaps yes. his servant, if they'd stuck together, they might have been able to pull each other up and say, come on, this isn't true. You know, I've traveled with you That's a right. while. And the servant would have probably seen Elijah's blind spots. But one of the things that comes out of the story is when, when God is talking to him in the cave, God is pointing out his potential way. That's right. And when we have this trust relationship with God and with other people, we get to see each other's potential. Mm-hmm. And that's what we yes, want we to do. We want people to know what God's got as an assignment for them. We want them to finish this race and win. Sometimes God's the only person who knows what's in the unknown window. Yes. And if we will listen to his voice and like what we said, be a man of prayer, the Mm -hmm. last man standing in testimony, then God's going to be able to say, this is your assignment. And you think, who? Me? Never? And he said, yes, 
You don't realize it yet. God's called you to do something. He has. But that's why we need to be doing it in a community. Mm. We can't do this alone. Because when you're just purely alone, we've got blind spots. And mm. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will show us our blind spots mm. and encourage us and grow us. But He often uses people. Mm. He'll use your connect group leader, your pastors. He'll use other people around you with a trust relationship to be able mm. to speak the truth into your life. And for you to be to grow. So our assignment is often when we join, come on, join mm-hmm. with me. When yeah. we join together, we can achieve so much more. Yeah. I love the AIG slogan. They say, stronger together. We can accomplish more together. So I want to encourage you guys, don't forget your midweek meetings, mm-hmm. your Zoom meetings, your WhatsApp meetings. This is a place and a time. And now be careful here. Don't just go into your home group meeting and share everything and you're just gushing with all your gunge. You haven't got a relationship yet. It's a yeah. trust relationship. You've got to be careful. You can't just tell them all about your problems. And after an hour, after you think, oh, God, get me out of this meeting. You know, this person. No, in those relationships there, mm-hmm. in that small group, that's where you find out, I can, I can hook up with them. I can meet up with them. And you develop a relationship in the small group setting. And those are the people that you can then speak to. And with good control and with the good leadership, we can start to draw out some of these in our connect group meetings. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you, church, if you want to be assignment-minded, we need to be Mm community-minded and we need to do this together.